0: And so a good time to turn your Bibles with me to Revelation chapter 10. And also, after you've found Revelation chapter 10, if you have a bulletin, can you mark Ezekiel chapter 2? Also, Ezekiel chapter 2 is where we're going to be uh, cross-referencing this morning. But we'll start in Revelation 10. And then later we're going to cruise on over to Ezekiel 2. You'll see how this all ties in in just a little bit. All right, let's pray and ask the Lord to bless our time together this morning. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for this special morning that you've given us to be together. And now just to settle our hearts before you as we open your word. And we ask that you speak to us, Lord, to, um, to meet us right where we're at. We want to have a, a real and, and genuine experience with you. To hear your voice, to experience your touch, your transforming work by the power of your spirit. And so we thank you ahead of time for the great things you're going to do this morning. You're so good, so great, so greatly to be praised. And we trust that the the songs, the the thoughts and meditations of our hearts have been pleasing to you. And so, Lord, again, we open this, this time to you, this time in your word. And again, we ask you to bless it, to nourish us as only you can, transform and change us by the power of your Spirit for your glory, we ask in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. 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 So just by way of reminder, where we are in Revelation chapter 10. um, Remember in the first chapter of Revelation, um, Jesus gave us a divine outline to help us understand this book. You guys remember what verse it was in? Chapter 1, verse... Nineteen. Awesome. Jesus came to John, the Apostle John, on the island of Patmos, right? Revealed himself to John in all of his glory and beauty and splendor and told John to write down the things which you have seen. That was chapter 1. The things which are, that was in chapter 2 and chapter 3. And just by way of reminder, that was 7, what? 7... Seven churches, but they received seven report cards, right, or seven letters that were written to those churches. The things that please Jesus about the church, the things that displease Him about the church, and so we looked at that. And then uh, G- Jesus also told John in Revelation chapter one verse nineteen to write down the things which will take place after this. And after this means in the future, so that would include chapters four all the way to the end of the book, to Revelation chapter 22. That's yet future. Those are things that are going to happen. They will come to pass. God is faithful to his word, correct? Amen. Amen. When God says it's going to happen, it will happen. And so we looked at chapter 4 and chapter 5. We saw a snapshot of heaven. You guys remember. We saw the Lord on the throne, high and lifted up. And we saw the church there also around the throne worshiping uh, the Lord, worshiping the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And then we moved into chapter 6 and the tribulation began. The tribulation will go from chapter 6 all the way to chapter chapter 19. Thank you. The, The tribulation will last how many years? Seven years. It's also known as the day of the Lord. And so what's interesting just to note is that chapter 4 and 5 always come before chapter 6 through 19. <laughs> that the, ha- the church is in heaven before the tribulation. It's important because how do we get there? What event? The, the, rapture. the rapture of the church. Jesus grabs his bride, pulls us out of here before his uh, unmitigated wrath is poured out upon a Christ-rejecting world. And we've been looking at that, haven't we? And it's been pretty gnarly. Some of the chapters we've looked at already... Um, we're about to get to the seventh trumpet. And, and you guys remember, Jesus received that scroll. He took the scroll from the Father in chapter 5 and began to... How many uh, seals were on that scroll? Seven. seven. Lots of sevens, right? It's easy to remember. So he opened the seals one by one, and we saw that judgment came upon planet Earth. And then with the seventh seal being opened, it introduced seven what? Seven trumpets. Right? Seven trumpets. Seven trumpet judgments. And so we see now we are between the sixth and the seventh trumpet during this time period. And it's really like an interlude or an intermission or a parenthesis, if you will. We see God has these parentheses in Scripture where there's more information or more detail given to us. Kind of like some more color is added so we understand some of the things that are happening during the tribulation period. And I just want to remind us too, what happens in chapter 19, by the way? Jesus comes back. You guys remember? Who's with him? We are, right? He comes back and he sets up his kingdom on earth for how long? A thousand years, also known as the millennial reign of Christ. That's chapter 20. And then chapter 21 and chapter 2, we see the new heavens and the new earth, right? And we live happily Thank you. Not hard, right? That's the outline Jesus gives us for the book. And so now we go back and we fill in the details here. And so let's look at chapter 10 here during the tribulation period. And by the way, the tribulation means pressing or compression or heaviness. Anybody ever been through that kind of uh, a season or a time in life of compression and pressing and pressure? It took that to get me to surrender to Jesus Christ. It took serious pressure. It took serious difficulty in my life to cause me to say, Lord, I need you. Forgive me. I have jacked up. I have jacked up my life. I have derailed others and damaged others. God, would you forgive me? And what does the Lord do? He forgives us. When we invite him into our hearts, he washes us. He washes us clean of all of our sins and gives us a fresh start, you guys. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is what? Passed away. Behold, the new has come. And so we see this period of tribulation. It's going to take that to cause people to respond to Jesus, to surrender to him. And also the Lord is dealing with the nation of Israel. And he's removing wickedness. He's removing wickedness and wicked ones. Um, he's, He's fumigating the earth, if you will. And ultimately, listen, ultimately God will fix everything. When he, sits up, when he sets up his kingdom, it's going to be all good when he's ruling. We've demonstrated we cannot rule ourselves. We are in need of King Jesus. Well, look at chapter 10, verse 1. I'm going to read through. It's a short chapter. It's only 11 verses. So let's read through it together. It says, God's word says, John speaking here, I saw still another mighty angel coming down from heaven, clothed with a cloud. And a rainbow was on his head. His face was like the sun and his feet like pillars of fire. He had a little book open in his hand. And he set his right foot on the sea and his left foot on the land. That's a pretty big angel, huh? And he cried with a loud voice as when a lion roars. When he cried out, Seven thunders uttered their voices. Now, when the seven thunders uttered their voices, I was about to write, but I heard a voice from heaven saying to me, Seal up the things which the seven thunders uttered and do not write them. The angel whom I saw standing on the sea and on the land raised up his hand to heaven. And swore by Him who lives forever and ever, who created heaven and the things that are in it, the earth and the things that are in it, and the sea and the things that are in it, that there should be delay no longer. But in the days of the sounding of the seventh angel, when He is about to sound, the mystery of God would be finished, as He declared to His servants the prophets, the prophets, Then the voice which I heard from heaven spoke to me again and said, Go, take the little book which is open in the hand of the angel who stands on the sea and on the earth. So I went to the angel and said to him, Give me the little book. And he said to me, Take and eat it, and it will make your stomach bitter, but it will be as sweet as honey in your mouth. Then I took the little book out of the angel's hand and ate it. And it was as sweet as honey <clears throat> in my mouth. But when I had eaten it, my stomach became bitter. And he said to me, you must prophesy again about many peoples, nations, tongues, and kings. Wow. So awesome chapter, chapter here. There's so much application for us this morning. So let's, let me draw your attention real quick to verse 1. John is speaking, and you guys remember with me, John is doing the best he can to describe the things that he is seeing. He uses the word like and as over and over and over again. And so what does he see in verse 1? I saw what? A mighty angel. So this is a big angel. Super huge, super strong angel he sees. And notice, the angel came down from where? Where? Came down from heaven, from God's presence. This angel cruises down. And what's he wearing? He's clothed with a, with a cloud. He's got on his, what does he have on his head? A rainbow. And his countenance, he's shining, he's super bright. His feet look like, uh, like burn, what does it say, burning pi- pillars, of, pillars of fire, like burning columns. And so there's a beauty and there's an awesomeness to this angel. And there are some commentators, some people actually believe that this is Jesus, I personally disagree because of a number of different reasons, but number one, it says in verse one there, another mighty angel, that word another means one of the same kind. In other words, uh, the same kind that we've been seeing throughout the book of Revelation, it's another kind of those angels that we're seeing. And by the way, angels bow down and worship Jesus. Hebrews chapter one tells us that that, uh, that they are ministering spirits created for what? To minister to those who will inherit salvation and all the angels of God worship him alone. And so it's a pretty mighty angel though. And notice what he has. He's got a big angel and a little book, right? He's got his feet straddling the sea and the land. And he's got this little book. And notice in verse 2, it's open. And God's representative comes with heaven's authority. And he cries out in verse 3, how loud? Like a what? A lion. Anybody heard a roaring lion in person? Is it pretty loud? Is it like kind of shake you a little bit? Get, does it get your attention? I, I'm sure it would. A roar. roar. Where would you see him at? The zoo? Or in the wild? <laughs> Anybody see him in the wild? Like come face to face? Wow, we got one. Give that man a prize right there. <laughs> you can talk to him later about, his, about that. In, in any event, so this, he roars like a lion, and notice when he cries out, there's a response from what? From these seven thunders that utter their voices. Kind of a call and response thing happens. And let me just remind us, in heaven, when John saw the scene in heaven, the glory of heaven, he he noted something, that there's thunderings and lightnings, and then this phrase, and voices. And so this may be the voices that he was hearing. So these seven voices, they thunder, and all of a sudden, what does John do? He picks up his quill, and he's getting ready to write. Or he's getting ready to start typing on his MacBook Pro. <laughs> no, he's getting, ready. he's getting ready to write whatever he's got. He's getting ready to write this down, and notice he hears a voice. I believe this is the voice of the Lord telling him to do what? Seal it up and do not write. What you have heard. We don't know. Listen, we don't know what was spoken. God has not told anyone else. John understood. John was the only one who knew. Why am I making a big deal about this? Because it was not passed on. It was not given to us. Listen, the Bible is silent on this. And listen, this is such an important point. Where the Bible is silent, we must remain silent too. But you know what people do? They speculate about what was said here. Commentators try to tell us what was said, but commentators <laughs> are just common potatoes from the Midwest, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> so, so we don't know. Is, is that okay that you don't know this morning? Yeah. I'm okay with that. There are some things that I don't know about God. There's some things that I don't understand about the Lord. Some things he even says in his word I don't understand. Does anybody here know every single thing about the Lord? You still love him, don't you? It's like my wife, Tanya. I don't know everything about her, how her pancreas works, how the, her brain works, the synapses connect. I still love her with all my heart. Same way with the Lord. I don't understand everything. I don't know everything. It doesn't, it, it doesn't change me a bit because, because God says in the book that I've been given everything that pertains to life and godliness. We've received that by his grace. You've received everything Brother or sister, you've received everything that pertains to life and godliness. Isn't that beautiful? He hasn't withheld anything that you, that's necessary for you. And not only that, He's given you and I His Word, which makes us complete, right? 2 uh, Timothy 3, something, 16, somewhere in that region. His, the, we are complete, thoroughly, or fully equipped for every good work with the Word of God. That tells me this is all you need. This is all we need 66 books, 40 different authors. Three different languages written on three different continents over 1,500 years. And it's all singular in theme and purpose. It all talks about Jesus. It's all about him, you guys. And so we can be rest assured this morning, not knowing what was spoken is not detrimental to our walk with him. He's given us what we need. Are you guys okay with that? I'm okay with that too. Amen. Well, notice verse 5 says, The angel whom I saw, this huge, mighty angel that he was standing, he does something. He raises up his hand, and now he makes an oath. He swears by who? By the Lord, right? The creator of heaven and earth and everything in it, right? The, the, the everlasting God, he makes this oath. And what's the oath? Number one, it says there in verse 5, there should be delay no longer. Time has expired. The time of the end is here. We are in extra innings, and the game is almost over. We're in overtime, It's about to be finished up. Why has there been a delay? Anybody know why there's been a delay? I think it tells us in 2 Peter. If you're taking notes, 2 Peter chapter 3. Is God's timing our timing? It's not, is it? How are you guys with God's timing? Pretty good? You guys good with God's timing? Anybody struggle with God's timing ever? Don't be lying in church this morning. Oh, I never struggle. Yeah. We struggle with God's timing sometimes, don't we? It's like, because why? We, We want things in our time. I want it now, you know? And God's timing is perfect, isn't it? And it says, but beloved, do not forget this one thing, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise. God's made promises. He's not not a slacker. It says, as some count slackness. He's not goofing off. There's purpose. God's God's working out the details here. And and through all of this, it says, but He is long-suffering towards us. What's long-suffering? He's patient toward us. Why? Why is He patient toward us? It says, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Aren't you glad the Lord has been long-suffering with you? I am, I am certainly and super glad, eternally glad. Aren't you glad he didn't come 30 years ago? Some of us 20 years ago. Some of us 10, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, maybe. That he's long-suffering. He wants everybody on board. He's doing all he can to bring people into his kingdom and to use our lives to help to do that, to, to, to be a part of that work. It's so glorious. So the delay is up. God's kingdom is coming. And by the way, just a note, this oath initiates the final three and a half years of tribulation. We are moving into the middle part of the tribulation. If you come tonight to service at 5 o'clock, we're in Revelation chapter 12, and uh, you'll get some more details about this time period. But in any event, look at verse 7. It says, But in the days, plural, during this time frame, of the sounding of the seventh angel... So the seventh trumpet, and that's gonna, what will that introduce? The seventh trumpet, by the way, seven seven bowls of judgment. So there's more judgment coming. And notice what's gonna happen: the mystery of God would be finished. A very important phrase here. Look, what does it say at the end of your end of the verse? As he declared to his servants, the prophets, you know what that means? God's gonna keep his word. He's been patient. He's been given man time to repent. And uh, notice that phrase, mystery of God, by the way. That, when you see mystery in the Bible, it doesn't mean mystery like Nancy Drew. Everybody heard of Nancy Drew? <laughs> That's not the kind of mystery we're talking about here. Mystery is something that was concealed, but is now revealed to those who are initiated. Does that make sense? I'm seeing some weird looking faces. That's a, let me give you an example. When I was in college, I was in a fraternity. That, those are my B.C. days. I don't endorse that. I don't give, give the A.O.K. Okay for that. But before I came to know Jesus, I was in a fraternity. And you go through this whole long process to become initiated into the fraternity. Right? But once you get initiated, you know what they tell you? They tell you the secrets. You know what the secrets are? You guys won't tell anybody, will you? Can I tell you what the secrets are? You ready? Ready to this one? Circles are round. <laughs> Wow, man, that's so deep, bro. Ready for another one? Here's one more. Wherever you go, there you are. I went through all of that to hear this secret, to be initiated in. But here's the cool thing. Let's, let's Let's bring it back to spiritually. When you give your life to Jesus, you get initiated into the family. You become part of the family of God. And what happens? The miracle of miracles. You guys know what happens. God Almighty in the person of the Holy Spirit comes and He takes residence within you. Are you with me? And what happens? Now you read your Bible and it's no longer words on a page, black and white and red. What is it? Now it's life to you. The Lord speaks to your heart and now it's no longer Greek and Hebrew. Now I understand it. I get it. The Lord is speaking to my heart. I understand his word. I get it. I know where I came from. I know where I'm going. I didn't come from primordial sludge. It it wasn't from the goo to the zoo to you. (laughs) There is a creator who loves you, who made you in the image and likeness of himself. And it's glorious. You are fearfully and wonderfully made in your mother's womb. He breathed life into you. God breathed life into you. And he made you just just the way you are. Glorious. And then what does he do? Then he woos you unto himself. He shows you your need for him. He, he predestines your times and your boundaries and everything that happens in your life that you might come to know him, the creator, the one who made you because he loves you and he wants to steer your ship and lead you and guide you in, in a life that will be fruitful and abound. And then you surrender to him and you get born again. I know what life's all about now. It's not living for myself. It's not living for what I'm going to put in and what I'm going to put on. Because that's what the world lives for. Now you realize, man, I've been created for a purpose to live for him, to serve him, to worship him. Do you know that, by the way? You've been created for a purpose? We know what what life's all about now. Now that we're online spiritually, so to speak. Now that we are born again of the Spirit. We've been made alive. We know what life's all about. And we know where we're going. You know where you're going. I do. My Jesus has saved me and rescued me. He's preparing a place for me right now. and He's coming again to get me. And I can't wait for that. And he's coming to get you, brother or sister. He's promised you that. He's promised me that. We know where we're headed. We're headed to heaven. And so now we know. Now that we're online, we're initiated. And so the angel's making this point. Heaven's making this point. It's all about to be wrapped up. Everything is happening just as God planned it. Things in God's plan, His promises will be fulfilled. He will establish His kingdom on earth, and that's what the point that's being made here. It's coming. It's getting all wrapped up. And then in verse eight, check it out. What does it say? Then the voice, which I heard from heaven, spoke to me again and said, "Go, take the little book which is open in the hand of the angel." who stands on the sea and on the earth. So John gets instructions to go up to this big angel and to take the little book from his hand. And I love this. Look what it says in verse 9. So I went to the angel and said to him, give me the little book. (laughs) (laughs) Hand it over, man. (laughs) Isn't that great? Somebody asked if there's humor in the Bible right there, man. I think that's (laughs) awesome. And he said to me, take it and eat it. Come on. And it will make your stomach bitter, but it will be as sweet as honey in your mouth. And what does John do? He does it. He's obedient. He receives heaven's instructions. Then I took the little book out of the angel's hand, and I ate it, and it was sweet as honey in my mouth, but when I had eaten it, my stomach became bitter. So John obeys the instructions, takes the book, he consumes it, And it's exactly as heaven told him, sweet to eat, bitter in the tummy. And listen, this is not unprecedented. We see this happen somewhere else before. I told you guys a little while ago, didn't I, to Mark, Ezekiel chapter chapter 2. Flip over there with me real quick. So You guys remember who Ezekiel was? Yeah, man, that's the guy that makes bread, right? In the frozen section. (laughs) Wrong dude. This guy was a prophet. Spoke on behalf of God. When the children of Israel, the southern kingdom, got taken captive by the Babylonians... Um, Ezekiel got taken to Babylon. It's so cool because God left Jeremiah in Israel, in Jerusalem, to minister to the people there. He brought Daniel into the government, into the, you know, with all the high officials to minister to them. And then Ezekiel was there at street level with all the captives, all those people that were disobedient. Why, well, we need to talk about that for a minute. Why did they go into captivity? You guys remember what happened? God had warned them repeatedly, his people, don't go down that trail of worshiping idols, of of serving idols, of living for the things of this earth. It's going to wipe you out. It's going to ruin you. You're going to to get messed up. Don't follow the example of those heathen pagan nations. Don't get involved in what they practice. It's going to mess you up. And you know what they did? They got involved in that stuff. Sexual immorality, idolatry, and God kept saying, come back to me. Sending prophets after prophets. Come back to me. Return to me. Repent. Turn. Turn. You're headed for a wipeout. And finally God had enough. And he said, that's it. Three waves. Nebuchadnezzar came. King Nebuchadnezzar came in three waves and took the children of Israel out of of Jerusalem, out of the country. God said, enough's enough. If you want to live that way, not in my house. I'm not going to endorse what you're doing. I'm not going to keep enabling you to keep doing what you, you need to go into a timeout. And so they went into a timeout for how long? 70 years. Thank you. Seventy years they went to Babylon. And you know what it did? It certainly cured them of idolatry. Because when they came back, there was no more bowing down to idols. They had other problems. But they were, it cured them of that. And so Ezekiel is there, and he's ministering to the people, and listen to the instructions that God gives him. Check it out. Chapter 2, Ezekiel. It's God speaking to Ezekiel, and he said to me, Son of man... Stand on your feet, and I will speak to you. Then the Spirit entered me when he spoke to me, and set me on my feet, and I heard him who spoke to me. Isn't that beautiful? The Spirit enabled him to hear. That's what happened in our lives, didn't it? The Holy Spirit has enabled us to hear. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice, and they follow me. And he said to me, Son of man, I am sending you to the children of Israel, to a rebellious nation that has rebelled against me. They and their fathers have transgressed against me to this very day. For they are impudent, which means uh, stiff necked or hard hearted, and stubborn children. I am sending you to them, and you shall say to them, Thus says the Lord. So God is sending Ezekiel. He's getting commissioned here to go speak to his own people. And then notice what it says. As for them, whether they hear or whether they refuse, for they are a rebellious house, yet they will know that a prophet has been among them. Listen, Ezekiel, as you go, some people will listen, some people won't listen. Doesn't that happen with us? Some people will listen. And then some people will not. Listen, leave the results up to God. Can you change a heart? Can you fix a heart? No way, Jose. Only God can. He's like He's calling Ezekiel to be faithful, to deliver the word of God to these people. Notice what he says next. Next verse, verse six. And you, son of man, do not be afraid of them, nor be afraid of their words, though briars and thorns are with you they're kind of they kind of bring you some pain right they're prickly anybody run into any prickly people little briars and thorns are with you and dwell among scorpions they'll they'll give you some pain do not be afraid of their words or check this out dismayed by their looks though they are a rebellious house so what does he say there don't be afraid of them their words and don't worry about how they look that's good instruction too because don't people look funny when you're sharing with them sometimes? Yeah, I look at you guys sometimes when I'm teaching. I'm like, if I, if, I, if I try to wonder what's going on with you, I'm like, that's the weirdest face that person's making at me right now. I can't look there. That's what he's saying here. He's saying no matter what face they're making, just deliver the word. Be faithful. No matter what they do, no matter what they say, how, how tough they look, Just be faithful to deliver the word. And notice what it says, next verse. You shall speak my words to them. Whose words? You shall speak, God says, my words to them. In other words, it's not about me, it's not about you, it's what God says. You guys ever been to a church, the preacher, all he does is talk about himself? All he does is come up with examples and stuff about I mean the I, and there's no word of God. It's tragic man, it, when I do that, I'm saying what I have to say is more important than the word of God. And He's saying here, God's saying to them, You give them my words, you share my words with them, whether they hear or whether they refuse, for they are rebellious. But you, Son of Man, hear what I say to you, do not be rebellious like that rebellious house, open your mouth and eat what I give you. Does that sound familiar? Don't be conformed to this world, but take what I give you, what I feed you. Now when I looked, there was a hand stretched out to me, and behold, a scroll of a book was in it. Then he spread it before me, and there was writing on the inside and on the outside, and written in it were lamentations and mourning and woe. Moreover, he said to me, Son of man, eat what you find, eat this scroll, and go speak to the house of Israel. In other words, before going to share the word, the word of God must be in you first. Are you with me? This is such an important point this morning. We can't give what we don't got. Is that good English? Not very good grammar. It's like the measles. You can't give them unless you, unless you, unless you have them. Not got them. You can't give what you don't have. So God says to Ezekiel, I want you. I'm, I'm sending you out. This is what it's going to be like. This is what I want you to do. But before you go, you need to get the word of God in you. So I can bring the word of God through you to these people. And he said to me, so I opened my mouth and he caused me to eat that scroll. Love that. And he said to me, son of man, feed your belly and fill your stomach with this scroll that I give you. Fill up with the word of God. So I ate and it was in my mouth like honey in sweetness. Then he said to me, son of man, go to the house of Israel and speak with my words to them. For you are not sent to a people of unfamiliar speech and of hard language, but to the house of Israel. Not to many people of unfamiliar speech and of a hard language, whose words you cannot understand. Surely had I sent you to them, they would have listened. But the house of Israel will not listen to you, because they will not listen to me. That's heavy. For all the house of Israel are impotent and hard-hearted Behold, I have made your face strong against their faces and your forehead strong against their foreheads, like an adamant stone harder than flint. I have made your forehead. Do not be afraid of them, nor be dismayed at their looks, though they are a rebellious house. And then let me just leave you with this verse here, and we'll go back to Revelation. He said, moreover, he said to me, son of man, this is so important, guys, listen up. He said, son of man, receive into your heart All my words that I speak to you and hear with your ears. So what does God say to him? You need to receive everything I tell you into your heart. Let's flip back to Revelation 10. The word of God is often presented as food throughout the Bible. The milk of the word, the meat of the word, sweeter than honey, Psalm 119. Sometimes people say, I love that book. I devoured it. What does that mean when you say that? Oh, I got this new novel. I loved it. I devoured it. What does that mean? You took it in, right? You consume that thing reading it. What is the purpose of this? Back in Revelation 10. What's God saying to John? John, the word of God is to be consumed. It is to be in you. You are to take it in. Listen, how often do you eat? Do you eat like every day? Some of you are saying, yeah, I, when are we getting out of here? I need to eat. <laughs> When's this guy going to get done? I'm, I'm hungry. I get to cost, New Costco. I need to get the free samples. I need to get up the highway and get over there. I'll be done in just how much time we got? 15 minutes left. How often do you think about How often do you eat? every day you guys eat every day most of us probably three meals normally unless you like break it up got some diet plan going do you ever go a week without food month two months without food eating liar liar pants on fire (laughs) without food without consuming anything no way think about the word of God would you physically you go without food? Physically we don't go out we eat, don't we? We nourish our bodies. But how much more spiritually? Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. We don't skip a week of meals, but we do sometimes, don't we? Our time in the Word. We don't get into the Word like we should. And listen, if we want to be strong Christians, if we want to be strong believers, we need to be strong in the word of God. We need to dig deep. Are you digging deep into the word of God? Spending time in the word, studying, meditating upon the word of God. If you want to be a weak Christian, be weak in the word. And here's the thing, you have the choice. You can go as deep as you want. You can hang out in the shallow end and play and and splash each other and play with rubber ducky or whatever. Or you can step out and go deeper, and the Lord's calling you, come on, I'm with you. Let's go deeper. It's your choice. You can go as deep as you want. The Lord's not going to twist your arm. The Lord's saying, I want, let's go deeper. I'll take you deeper. I'll give you wisdom and understanding. You cry aloud for her, the Bible says. God is a rewarder of those that diligently seek Him. And it's in context of trusting Him and getting into the Word of God. And so, are you digging deep this morning? If you want to be strong in your relationship with God, there's no shortcut. You need to be strong in the Word of God. I mean, think about this. Are there shortcuts to weight loss? Right? It takes, what does it take? It takes working working out, right diet, correct? Some diligence, some discipline, takes some time. Same way spiritually. To be in shape spiritually. To be, to, be, to be tuned up spiritually. And it's interesting because he said it was what? It was sweet as honey. But it was also bitter when it hit his tummy. And isn't that the way the word of God is? It's both bitter and sweet, isn't it? Have you guys found that in our study in Revelation? Isn't the rapture sweet? Heaven... You got the sneak peek isn't heaven sweet. God's faithfulness, his love isn't that sweet? Isn't his care for you sweet? The Lord's my shepherd. Is that sweet to you? That's super sweet to me, Amen. man. His second coming, setting up his kingdom, we get to come with him, cruising on horses. That's sweet, man. But it's also bitter knowing what people are going to face during the tribulation people that open their life up to darkness in the demonic realm. That's spooky, man. What we went through last week. Wasn't it? I don't know about you, but that scared the hell out of me. It's like, I want to get as far away from that junk and as close to Jesus as possible. I don't even want to go near that. And to urge others and compel others. Listen, that's not the way to go. Here's what's going to happen if you open your life up to that. It's, it's crazy. The demonic realm. Darkness. It's bitter. It's bitter. It's also bitter knowing where people are going to end up if they don't repent and trust in Jesus. Hell is bitter. Eternal torment is bitter. And the good news, listen, the good news is not not just sweet. It's bitter, you guys. Sharing with people. Listen, our sins separate us from a holy God. But here's the sweet part. Here's the sweet part. Jesus died for your sins to save you, to rescue you to give you a new life, to give you a second chance, to give you a fresh start. And listen, we need to have both the bitter and sweet when we're studying our Bibles, you guys. You ever notice we don't, we don't like skip passages here? Anybody ever notice that? We go through verse by verse by verse, and you would know if I skipped a verse, wouldn't you? Or a whole chapter? I don't want to teach that this week. I want to just teach about the love of God. Justice of God, let's pass by that. We have to teach both, you guys, that we would be healthy, right? Don't we need, don't we need a healthy diet? Yes. Right? If you go to, it's not like a salad bar. It's not like going to Golden Corral. Is that the salad bar? Is that what it's called, Golden Corral? What do you do at Golden Corral? Pig out. You, pig out, thank you. <laughs> but you pick and choose, right? You go, oh, I got the chicken fried steak right here, man. I got my corn giblets and... I'll pass on the spinach, right? Because it'll slither right through my fork. and Right? You pick and choose. And some people do, some people do that spiritually with the Word of God. I like this, but you know, I don't like to read that. Or they play Bible roulette. Listen, we need all of God's counsel from Genesis to Revelation. Every bit of it. And it's both bitter and sweet. And you guys have seen that. The Lord knows exactly what we need every week. Doesn't he meet you right where you're at? You come Wednesday night. And the Lord, I I can't tell you how many times it's been like, wow, man, I needed to hear that. Or Sunday morning, wow, that's exactly where I'm at. I needed to hear that word from the Lord. And listen, for me, for for, for you guys coming in on Sundays and Wednesdays, I should just be confirming what you've been reading, what the Lord's been speaking to you all week long. You're spending time with Jesus in the Word and He's speaking to your heart and He's ministering to you. I should simply be just confirming what the Lord's speaking to you on Sundays and Wednesdays. But I realize there's some of us that just come in for the personal pep talk on Sundays. And hallelujah, praise the Lord. But you need more. You need to be feeding. You need to be in the Word. If you want to have a fruitful life, blessed is the man who meditates upon the Word of God. How long? Day and night that your life would flourish, that your life would would abound in those things that truly matter for all of eternity. And the word of God is both sweet and bitter, and our flesh fights against getting into the word of God. Right? Because what's going to happen tonight? You, You hear a message like this, you cruise home, you go eat, right? You go fill up, you go home, and do whatever you guys do in the afternoon. And then it's like, okay, pastor encouraged us to get into the word. I think I'm going to read my Bible tonight. And what happens? We look at the Bible, and then all of a sudden there's something on TV. America's greatest ninja warrior or whatever. I don't know if people watch, but you've got to see this, man. And our flesh, what? Our flesh gravitates towards junk. Correct? I, listen, I'm exhorting myself. My flesh is as rotten as anyone else. I am in need of God's grace as much as anyone else. There go, there go I, but by the grace of God, God help me. I'm in need of his work cuz my flesh gravitates towards junk. My flesh does not need any help. Right? What's going to end Monday morning, we wake up. We hit the snooze. I was going to spend time with Jesus tomorrow morning. Hit the snooze, right? And then we wake up and we realize I don't have any time. So I get an email devotional, read that. I got a little, you know, little supplement in. <laughs> Run out the door. And I do that over and over. What what begins to happen? Spiritually, I wither. I get weaker and weaker. That's why it's so important that we get nourished with the Word of God. Listen, the Bible tells us that Jesus loves you, cherishes you, and He nourishes you. The Word of God, He also washes us with the water of the Word. Isn't that precious to you? The Word of God washes us. Because why? We're pretty filthy, man. Our hearts need cleansing. We need to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. We pick up filth, and what does the Lord do when you get into the Word? It washes you. Listen, how often do you bathe, man? Bathe every day? Once a week? Anybody here? Once a week or so? No no hands. Keep them down. We already know you're out in the foyer. (laughs) They don't pass through the arches to come in. Once a week, once a month, bathe. Listen, we don't bathe once a week or once a month. Why would we do that spiritually? Why would you Why would you bathe once a week spiritually, then, man? It's like every day I need that washing, that cleansing, that transforming, by the renewing of my mind. And what does the Lord do? You start to. Where would you be? Listen, where would you be if you spent an hour every day for the rest of this year with Jesus every morning? Where would you be spiritually? You think? Okay, that's way too much, Pastor. How about half an hour? Half an hour every day for the rest of the year. Where would you be spiritually? Listen, you'd be rocking it out, man. You'd be rocking it. God would be transforming you, doing some awesome stuff. He is now, but there's so much more. He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. That's a promise from God to you. Do you believe His promises? Didn't we sing that song, All His Promises are Yes and Amen? He's faithful, you guys. Well, we're running out of time here. I love this verse 11. Last verse. So great. And he said to me, you ought to think about prophesying again. If you really feel up to it, you should prophesy again. Is that what your Bible says? You must. You must. you must, you must preach the word again. You must share God's word again about many peoples, nations, tongues, and kings. You know, I, I've been asking myself this for like a couple weeks. Like, why this here in chapter 10? Like, why? Like, so, so, to me, it's like so weird. Like, why, why is this scene here? Just think for a minute with me all of the things that John has seen and heard. Would that be pretty heavy? Yeah. Think about last week. Those two demonic invasions. Wouldn't that wear you out? It's like, oh. like knock, Like, knock the wind out of you? It did me. If prophecy doesn't affect you in application in your life, there's a problem. I think John was worn out. He's seeing all this stuff in in real time, real color, whatever, all before his eyes. The pain, the suffering, the hardship men rejecting, refusing to repent, to keep doing sexual in reality. John's seeing all of this. That's got to wear you out, man. Ministry will wear you out. you know that? Yes. We get weary in the work, but not of the work. Let me, let me repeat that. We get weary in the work, but not of the work. Like heaven told John, you must keep going. There is no end to this war till you get home to be with he- in heaven. You keep serving the Lord. You be faithful to do what God's called you to do. But it gets heavy. It gets heavy in life, doesn't it? Does it get heavy in life sometimes? You, get, you guys ever get worn out? Yes. Get tired. Just like, you watch the news. Does it ever like knock the wind out of you? Like, oh, I can't believe this is happening. I mean, I can believe it. God's word says it. You know what you need. To, you know what the prescription for John was. We just read it, didn't we? To do what? To get into the word. To get into the word of God and let the word of God to get into you. The Bible tells us in Psalm 119, the psalmist writes, This is so glorious. Your servant meditates on your statutes. Your testimonies are also my delight and my counselors. My soul clings to the dust. Revive me according to your word. My soul melts with heaviness. Strengthen me according to your word. Are you worn down this morning? Listen, brother, or sister, precious saint, are you worn down? Listen, get into the word of God. Let God strengthen you. Let him, this week, you get worn down. Get into the word of God. Let God strengthen you. And I love how God told John, You're not done yet. How old's John? He's in his 90s. You're not done, buckaroo. You're just starting. Your ministry's not over. You know what that tells me? It doesn't matter what age you are. Moses started at 80 years old. It doesn't matter. Listen, it doesn't matter how old you are, and it doesn't matter how young you are. You guys remember King Josiah? We learned about him on Wednesday nights. How old was he when he started? Eight years old. He became king. Can you believe that? I've got a seven year old. What was that like? Chicken nuggets and juice boxes for all, you know, (laughs) time to party. You know what it says about him? He walked with the Lord, he served the Lord at eight years old. He had something real going on with, with heaven, with the Lord. It doesn't matter how old or how young. Listen, God has ministry for you. Don't make excuses. Don't be afraid. God has not given you a spirit of fear or timidity, but power, love, and a sound mind. God's redeemed you and given you gifts to serve Him, to be involved in the furtherance of His kingdom and to bring Him glory with what you've got. Don't make excuses. I'm, I'm not old enough. I'm too old. I don't have this. I don't have that. Listen, God has given you everything that pertains to life and godliness. You are, you are complete in Him, in Christ. Notice also as we finish this is my second finish, by the way. <laughs> Look at he He's supposed to speak concerning many people's, nations, tongues and kings. The word of God is for everyone. It's what we need. God is equal opportunity. He wants us to share with everybody. God, God says to John, "You're not done. Your ministry's not over. Listen, for you and I, the work is not done, is it? Is the work done? It's not done. God has ordained you and me for such a time as this. Focus on, let me encourage you to focus on the eternal things. To pursue God with all we got. And to remember when you're coming to the word of God, you're coming to the God of the word. Jesus said, come to me, you are thirsty and drink and out of your heart will flow rivers of living water. It's always coming to Jesus. Jesus said all you who are weary and burdened come to me. We come to him. It's always coming back to him. He said I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. It's coming to Jesus to learn. It's coming to him to be filled up. So tomorrow morning tonight when you have your quiet time with the Lord, it's coming to Jesus and saying, "Lord, fill me up. Lord, guide my steps." I want that to be a description of my life where rivers of living water are flowing from my heart because you said it. You promised that to me. And what, because what happens? We get worn out. We get tired. We leak. We pour into the lives of others. We need to be filled up, and only Jesus can fill you up and keep you going. Amen? Amen. In Jesus' name. Lord, thank you so much. this morning.